0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to Lynn at pghcitypaper.com.
1: And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, how you doing? Welcome to the show. It'd be Friday. Whew. Thank God. Uh, we're. Um, I had hoped to start the show off with uh, Pittsburgh City Paper's Ryan Dito. Uh, who covered the press conference yesterday with the mayor and county executive and people from the, what is it, Allegheny Conference, uh, their response to the fact that they got dumped <laughs> by Amazon. Um, and uh, Ryan has written a piece about it, and I know he came back pretty fired up. Um, so I, I'll expect he will pop in here at, uh, at some point. Um <laughs> okay. Uh li- little things. I th- the funniest story I saw in the last 24 hours. I mean it, it's a kind of story w- you would expect to see in Trump's America, in Trump's government. But uh this is not Trump's government, it is Japan's. And it's just mind-blowing. The head of uh the Japanese cyber security uh force. I mean for all of Japan, this guy is sits at the top of guarding um uh cyber security for their government and infrastructure. He's sixty-eight years old and um he was uh being questioned uh by uh, a l- some lawmakers and it became clear he couldn't answer many questions. I mean, he would be asked a question, and uh, he was asked, for instance, if uh, if nuclear power plants allowed the use of USB drives and did he consider that a risk? And this guy said, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, so how about having an expert answer your question? How's that? On further examination, it turned out that the head of Japanese cybersecurity does not know how to operate a computer. He does not own a computer. He never has touched a computer. He is a self made businessman who, when he needed something on a computer, could point to some underling and say, Do that. Uh, He said to the uh, lawmakers in the Japanese parliament, I have been independently running my own business since I was 25 years old. I order my employees or secretaries to do what is ever necessary. I don't type on a computer. (laughs) Now, really, doesn't that sound like some? That sounds like somebody Trump would have. Uh, eh, God, if this—it's all over the world, just total friggin' incompetence being put in charge of very, very <laughs> important. Uh, I mean, that's a headline. Japan's cyber security czar has never used a computer. be like putting, I mean, my mother knows more than, my mother's used a computer. I wouldn't put her in charge of cybersecurity. For that matter, I've owned a computer. I wouldn't put me in charge either. You know how um, we learned, unfortunately, by virtue of the fact that we've had to live uh, with Donald Trump as our president? Uh, for two years, uh, we have learned that he is so incapable of, I don't, well, never mind, he's incapable of so many, if I start that, uh, we'll, we'll never end. He, in terms of his psychology, which is as nasty a stew as there ever was, but his psychology he what comes out of his mouth is often a projection of what he himself is so when he calls so and so lying ted lying hillary it's because he is a liar it's It's so odd that every uh, almost in every instance, w- if you take his these you know verbal eruptions and turn them around, they much more clearly identify him <laughs> than whomever he's he's targeting at the time. And uh, these tweets of his from yesterday, I just happened to see some of them are just an incredible case in point. Uh, Here's one. The inner workings of the Mueller investigation are a total mess. What's a total mess? Not the Mueller investigation. (laughs) What's a total mess? The inner workings of Trump's White House the inner workings, if there can be said to be any, of his own mind. But Robert Mueller, I don't think a mess comes even close to describing that man, his reputation, and uh, clearly his uh, ability to conduct an investigation. It ain't no mess. So here's the president. The inner workings of the Mueller investigation are a total mess. They have found no collusion and have gone absolutely nuts. (laughs) Who's gone nuts? It's just so, it's so, this happens all the time. All of the reporting from uh, people who cover the White House now is that, It's crazier there than it has ever been. That he's screaming, yelling, pouting, depressed, feels cornered. And all of these tweets coming after he has had in the last few days since returning from his triumphant foreign trip (laughs) to France... He has had to sit in meetings with his lawyers at, while they come up with his answers to Mueller's questions. That Mueller has, has in advance, it's like a take-home test, right? How simple is that? It's a take-home test. Well, apparently it ain't simple. And for him, it has has had the effect of making him crazy. The questions alone suggest where Mueller is going. And Trump now is clearly, I think, terrified. And when a man of of, of so little self-awareness and uh frankly so little self regard i know that seems strange to say of a narcissist but he's just a big blown up figure that inside is hollow you know there's there's really nothing in there i think he needs all the he was riding high going to all those rallies again because they feed they feed his sense that, yes, he exists. Yes, he is lovable. Yes, people care about him. And if you take those rallies away from him, um, I, I, he just dissolves into nothing. And then he tweeted out in all caps, A total witch hunt like no other in American history. Well, they sure are finding a lot of witches, though, if it's a witch hunt. And apparently they're about to indict a few more. But Trumpian projection. Wow. Wow. I can't even begin to imagine what we're in for. You know what I mean? Do you think it's even conceivable that in a year we will look wistfully back at today? I'm serious, really. And think, yeah, it was like crazy and it was, but it wasn't whatever. I don't know. All I know is that it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And one can assume that that momentum, (laughs) that 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 with that momentum, that's the trajectory going forward, as people say. A few little things that, you know, post-election, by the way, Democrats just keep picking up Stuff, meaning seats. Um, Here's one. Oh, no, before I do that, let's get... uh, Damn, 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 where is it? I had this already. Um, Well, this is not what I wanted, but this was um, something that somebody posted that, You know, if you look at it, it it tells you a lot about our government and how even though we brag about being exceptional, often we are exceptional, frankly, in a negative way. American exceptionalism, we assume, means that puts us at the top, right? All too often, American exceptionalism puts us at the bottom of all kinds of lists. And here's one. Um, proving the point how many people in the UK went bankrupt because of medical bills let's say in the last year zero how many people in France went bankrupt Because of medical bills, zero. Spain, zero. Portugal, zero. Denmark, zero. Australia, zero. Iceland, zero. Italy, zero. Finland, not a person in that whole country. Declared bankruptcy because of an unexpected medical bill. Germany, not a one. Netherlands, mm-mm. Sweden, Japan, no, doesn't happen in Japan ever. Chile, oh, Canada, oh. For all I know, there's more, but that's just some sense. Yeah, Okay, so the, un- the exceptional United States of America. How many people in this country went bank- go bankrupt every year for want of universal health care, which all of these other nations assume is a right of citizenship? How many in the United States every year? 643,000. 643,000. Wow. And yet, now that we're starting to hear little calls for Medicare for All, Medicare for All, all that means is we wanna join the civilized world. We wanna be on this list with a goose egg after our names. Because last time I looked, I've been to a lot of those countries, People there, you know, they live just fine, thank you very much. I suppose they pay higher taxes than we do, but you see, they get something pretty important. So, we are on the bottom of so many lists, and that does make us truly exceptional. Uh, what is, damn, there was this thing about, um, I can't believe I'm losing all my, I'm losing what I want here. This is not what I want, but I'll, uh, I'll send it your way. Um, as the vote counts come in and as we are able, the people who crunch data, um are able to uh, start making a little more sense out of what happened on uh, last Tuesday. Was that last Tuesday? Yeah um, I have said that the the big divide in this country is n- not so much uh, cultural, it's socioeconomic and also geographical, right? So we now know that um, most of peop- most people who agree with us live in urban areas, whereas people who think Donald Trump is the be-all and end-all live more in rural uh, areas and ex-urban areas. The other big divide is education. And um, that is becoming increasingly clear. So I just wanted to, if you look at where Americans are producing and where the standard of living tends to be higher, you are looking at where Democrats control. Um, if you look at the US's total gross domestic product, ten point2 trillion of that comes right out of democratic districts. Only six trillion comes out of districts represented by Republicans. So Republicans increasingly are representing, And this is amazing, because they're representing the poor and the uneducated. And what are they doing to those people? (laughs) They're making them poorer and even more uneducated. Um. Whoa. Sorry. We had a... Excuse me. (coughs) So um <coughs> as they start crunching them it's 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 really um it's a problem it's a real problem and I don't know uh what we do that's why when we look at <coughs> those election maps it always looks and there has to be a psychological impact of this it always looks like most of the country's red right you just see these little blue little blue dots in places but that's where everybody is and you can see why people who see those maps on Fox News think they're in the majority and they are in the majority in the Senate by virtue of the way we have The Founding Fathers put our country together. So what happens is between Republicans and Democrats, this economic divergence means that Democrats uh, legislatively are always promoting things like investments in research, skills training, infrastructure, and Republicans just continue to say no. They resist any increase in taxes, and we can't end up getting... This is not the article I want. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here. I'm getting very annoyed at Ryan because I had had assumed the show was going to be mostly me talking to him, so I'm not as... If I sound like I'm not quite organized, it's because I ain't. Um, but dang, I wish I could find the thing, this one thing. Okay, here, 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 here it is. This is mind-blowing to me, and it does also, again, talk about how the structure of our government is not working real well for us. Now, for the majority of people, it's working just fine. Thank you very much for people in Montana and Wyoming and those big, 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 big big rural states because they are overly represented in government. Here's something that also has got to stop gerrymandering. Because of gerrymandering in Ohio, there there are 16 congressional seats in Ohio. 16. Republicans got 12. (laughs) 12 of them. 12 of the 16. What is that, three quarters? We, the Democrats, got a measly four. But get this. If you add up how many votes in Ohio went to Republican candidates. It was 52% of voters voted for Republicans. 48 voted for Democrats. That would, without gerrymandering, suggest that probably the Republicans should have gotten eight seats, and the Democrats, eight seats. Pretty much the split that happened in in Pennsylvania after we got rid of gerrymandering. Oh, lo and behold, the people's voice has actually been heard. Also, of course, all the seats in the State House, state legislature were up in Ohio, and get this, because of gerrymandering, and I'm sure the same is in large part um, true of a whole bunch of other states that have Republican legislatures and governors and have managed to draw the lines so that there is no fair representation. Republicans hold super majorities in the Iowa legislature, both houses, super majorities. It means they can override, uh, the, you know, a veto of a governor. They own it. They own it. But if you look at the vote from the midterm election, Republicans lost the total state legislative vote. More people voted for Democrats to go to Columbus, that is the capital right, to go to Columbus. More Democrats were voted for and yet they are in a pathetic minority in the state legislature. How is that a system that is working? How is that even legal? Ohioans said, the majority of Ohioans said, we want Democrats. And what they got is a supermajority Republican controlled legislature. I don't know what, I mean, ultimately, that cannot stand. It cannot continue. And it might be that this is a battle that has to happen state by state. Here in Pennsylvania, we managed to finally get rid of of our underrepresentation as Democrats in both our congressional districts and somewhat at the legislative level, although a ton more work has to be done, by putting in a democratic majority in our state Supreme Court. And they're the ones, finally we had some measure of power, and they said, looking at our legislative map, are you kidding This is not. This is a joke. And so the lines were redrawn. Everyone says, oh, the Supreme Court redrew them. No, they didn't. They hired a guy well-known for being hired by other entities and commissions where these things are done by commissions. Knows how to crunch numbers, how to make it as equitable as possible. And after he did that, what happened? We picked up four congressional seats that the Republicans have stolen years and years and years and years. And they continue to steal. They're stealing in Ohio. It's sort of like the Trump projection thing, where Trump uh, you know, accuses uh, you know, Mueller of having a mess yeah you know mess at it. it when it's Trump is the mess. I forgot my thought. oh, I am sorry okay, there was a piece in the New York Times today about the Amazon thing and uh and their b- the winning bids. And um, they say it, it's really unfortunate because what Amazon did is sort of solidify this sense that it's only on the coasts that stuff is happening. I mean, think about it. They took what? They took two eastern seaboard cities not in need of a major inf- influxion of jobs or anything. They picked two uh, two municipal areas that are doing just fine thank you. They picked places where yeah it's already there so the charade of asking cities like Pittsburgh and St. Louis and Columbus and Cleveland and even Philly to like go through this process um, using a lot of time and money in it was simply that. It was a charade, although a charade that allowed Amazon to uh, collect an awful lot of valuable economic uh, information. But this uh, piece in, uh, in the Times business section today says Amazon's choices only reinforce the American divide, that urban, rural, or coastal flyover country that we are seeing play out politically as well. And it's pointed out in this article that a lot of what has happened to cities in this country, cities uh, whose downtowns have been pretty much wiped out, where even the suburban malls now are starting to be wiped out, that this is... A direct result <laughs> of Amazon's success. And if Amazon had any sense of its negative impact on the economies of much of the country, um, and how it has obliterated mon and Pa stores, even larger big box stores. Um, wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing, <laughs> as if that factors in, wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing if Amazon had acknowledged that growing divide and put one of these facilities somewhere that was not on the ocean, somewhere that was not on a coast, and reminded America and the movers and shakers here that there are wondrous places to live in the heartland with educated and skilled and he says, I know it's not Amazon's obligation to help heal this growing divide, but when you think of how much they've contributed to it, uh, well, expecting any such uh, <laughs> humane... To have some sense of humanity or obligation, social obligation, to be factored into a decision by the biggest friggin' capitalists in the world is, of course, absurd. And they say, uh, in it, you know, in the initial... Request that they gave all the cities, uh, uh, you know, saying, We want your proposals. Tell us why we should come to your city. They emphasized that um, cost of living was something that they were going to look at. well yeah right that's why they ended up in new york city and in uh, right outside of dc some of the two uh, two of the highest costing cities there is i mean they friggin lied so pittsburgh clearly thought hey we got a shot here and it does say in this article that pittsburgh had like one of the lowest cost and didn't do a damn thing for us labor force ranked third on Amazon's list of criteria. But in the end, that wasn't it either. It had already been determined. Because Bezos says this, these two locations allow us to attract world-class talent that will help us continue inventing for years to come, as if there's not world-class talent in Chicago. In Pittsburgh. Just the same old, same old. I don't know. I so despise, as you know, I so despise Amazon. Amazon and Walmart, the big fish, the big fish, they ain't getting any of my money. If I can help it, I sometimes end up having to. But it is rare. Rare. Okay, we got a call. Hello, caller.
2: Hey Len, it's Mike in D.C.
1: Oh, the winner, and still champion. Mm-hmm, the winner. <laughs> uh, you, you know, as I said, you can, say, you, you can you okay. can have it. You can have it.
2: I don't want them. Go ahead. Your argument though is can your argument though is confusing capitalism with democracy.
1: Well, I capitalism
2: know. Well, means that's right. The winner e- gets everything.
1: Right. Right. Wonderful. Winner takes all. And that's Amazon, right? And right, and screw
2: screw democracy. Well, right,
1: the same with
2: the whole. You know, that's what Republicans think. The winners get everything. So, if we have to rig it so we get everything, well, that's what we should get because we're the winners. But back to Bezos' point. Um, So imagine you have a, a worldwide pool of people, and I mean literally a worldwide pool of people who can go anywhere because they're geniuses in math and science and whatever. And you want this guy, we'll name him Tim Smith. And we'll say, Tim Smith, we want you to come to Amazon, but it has to be in this little town called Pittsburgh, someplace you've never heard of. Tim Smith from Beijing is going to say, no, that's okay. I will go to Facebook. Because Facebook has a place in New York, and I want to live in a big city. Okay. So that's the reason for it being on the coast and not in the middle uh, middle of the country. It's because he's looking forward, saying, I, we won't be able to get the best and the brightest to come to Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we won't be able to get the people we really need to move whatever forward – because honestly, no offense to Pittsburgh, but most people don't say have it as a top ten place of places they want
1: to live. Well, I God, I hate people. In the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. What the oh, so they just want to be another person in these already bloated uh cities, paying more than they have to for everything they do. I don't know. It's my it's mind boggling. Don't you remember
2: be. being twenty five? And wanting to experience the world and experience all the new and fun things. And it's just because they're trying to aim at those 25 and 22 year olds who are going to drag
1: us into AI. You know what? I don't want to be dragged into AI, and those 20 <laughs> those twenty fucking five-year-olds are the people I'm so glad we are not going to see coming here in droves. We've already got so many of them. They've already remade the entire east end of Pittsburgh, and I, I don't particularly like a lot of what's come as a result, so... You can have. I mean, I did not want this, so I'm actually. I, I know I'm saying sounding like sour grapes now, but I'm. It, it, that's not the case. I just. God. I when I was a young woman, I went to New York. Right. You wanna? Yeah. See. Yeah. So yeah. you
2: want you as a young woman to have to go to Cleveland?
1: No. But as uh, it, ten years later, I came to Pittsburgh. And man, I wouldn't have, tr- I wouldn't trade Pittsburgh for New York for a minute. I was even offered jobs in New York City after I'd come to Pittsburgh, and I stayed here because some of us enjoy quality of life, which is what you get in a smaller metropolitan area. There's all the arts and culture here. When those and are here,
2: 35, they may think the same thing. But he has to get the 20-year-olds and the 25-year-olds to want to work for Amazon, and they don't want to go to Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Detroit. Right. We don't want them either.
1: someplace small. All yeah. right. Yeah. They're so brilliant. Right. They yeah. don't know.
2: Well, the ir- irony is they're so brilliant, but they can't hold a conversation. I work with a lot of them. And they can't look you in the eye. They, can't, <laughs> they, Yeah. It's. They're oh. on the spectrum clearly, oh, but it's who man. Bezos
1: needs to attract. And these are the people who are going to be pulling us into the future, who cannot make eye contact, who are on the spectrum. What kind of a friggin' world are they going to create?
2: We won't know.
1: Uh, well, but it's I'm,
2: not going to be anything like this one. Powder.
1: And I have to tell you, I am seeing little glimmers, little bits and pieces, and I am so glad I won't be here. But I'm terrified for my nephews and nieces and son. I can't imagine such a cold world, and it will be a cold world. Comparatively, but they'll have nothing to compare it to.
2: They won't have the ability to compare walking to grade school. They won't have the ability to compare um, meeting someone at in, in a crowded bar from across the room and looking them in the eye and saying, wow, because they do everything on the phone. Ugh. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. It won't even be a phone by that point. It'll just be your eyeballs. You'll blink twice. Well, you
1: can imagine you know, how they will. The how, when they're reading history and the history of the friggin' world, of which they are just this little, they won't be able to relate <laughs> to all of the human beings who have lived before. Won't be able to relate to how they lived. They'll they'll find it. What? Not as rich as their lives? Oh, dear God. I feel for them. I do. Oh, Milton's telling us. Acosta has won. He's going back to the... I wouldn't call that winning. You mean he's got to go back to uh, the White House press briefings? Uh, CNN won the suit. The judge has ruled that the White House must reinstate CNN reporter (laughs) Jim Acosta's press credentials. All right. All right. All right. He can. I think
2: I think the press should stop covering it. I do too. And They I should think, just stop going. It's, yeah, it's a force.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or send some intern to stand there and, and take the chair. Yeah. But why are they – they're just feeding – he wants – that attention is oxygen to that narcissist, and they just keep giving it to him. And it's because someone mentioned it earlier. It's clickbait. Wow. They need that in order to make right. revenue yeah. because the news – division has to make money now but cnn
1: cnn did have to bring this case because i mean uh just to have it on uh on the record that you can't do what he did it is in opposition to the first amendment of the united states it's why even fucking fox news supported cnn's suit It was that much of a violation of what uh, the First Amendment is. So they had to do it, and it it was a quick win, and that was a, uh, was that a Trump Trump, uh, judge? I think it might have even been um, a judge Trump put in. (laughs) Or a Republican judge for sure. I'm not sure. So there you have it. Well, you know what? You can work with these uh, you know, jerks. I it, it, have fun. I I just bleh! I'm in a foul mood. No shit. Bah! <laughs> I wasn't but I got stood up by my guest who for all I know is like right on the other side of this wall. No, I mean he's not in I'm not into having him anymore. I am I am been stood up. That doesn't happen. Doesn't happen to me. Okay. It's a good thing it's Friday. Um, yeah, keep up with a good fight. <laughs> yeah, you too. And, 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 and enjoy. Ooh, even now, it's ticking. That's the, that's the value of your house going up as we speak. Tick, tick, tick,
2: tick, tick, tick. Yeah, what is that sound?
1: I don't know. Oh, you are yeah. just getting richer by the minute. I'm very happy for you. Very happy. All right. Bye. Bye. Shit. Well, that's good news. Thank you, Milton. God bless you, Milton. Uh, Kathleen writes about American exceptionalism. I will tell this anecdote briefly, lest you think that I'm being a doting aunt. I am a doting aunt, but that's beside the point. I'm a doning aunt, too. Um, My nephew and his wife and family have been living in Australia for two years. Australia is rated very high in the world for its schools. Last week, my 11-year-old niece was given a prize at school for a poem that she wrote and illustrated. It is an excellent poem, and I know a lot about poetry. She is a bright and creative girl, but she has never been pushed by her parents. Much of the credit for her artful achievement has to be given to Australia's schools. My grandniece would never have been able to discover this talent in her American school, where she used to go, near Cleveland. The opportunity simply would not have been there. I attended school in the U.S. in the 50s and 60s. I received a decent education, but as I've watched generations grow up and graduate from American schools, I've seen the standards and the curricula fall lower and lower. This is a serious problem. I think that these uneducated, semi-literate high school graduates are Trump's base. These poor souls were never taught to write a poem. They were barely taught to read. It is very scary and alarming. I have no idea how to turn our country around, but we'd better get back to decent education or we're doomed. Aw, Kathleen, I know that is a big part of it. I don't think I had a great education. I went to a uh, high school that was uh, the vast majority of uh, the students were blue-collar, working-class people. They went, they left school, did not go to college. They went into uh, the paper mills and other industry there. And so this was not a school that had any, you know, what do you call those? advanced placement stuff um it was just basic and yet i learned a lot i had one teacher who did teach me to write um there i won't put it down but i di- i saw the deficit when i got to northwestern the first college i went to and I was up against kids who'd gone to, you know, fancy-schmancy suburban school district. Um But I was watching Jeopardy! last night. You know, I do. It was the teen tournament. And these kids are so f- smart. they are high school students. But none of them knew this one quote. And it was... It was a line lifted from the Gettysburg Address. I mean, a pretty... I mean, a lot of us can just say the Gettysburg Address, right? It was a line lifted from the Gettysburg Address. And these three extraordinarily bright, extraordinarily bright kids, one of them guessed, I think, Benjamin Franklin? It was who said it, Benjamin Franklin. George Washington? And I thought, guys, come on, how do you not know that? But they do know a lot of stuff we didn't and we don't because there's more and more and more and more to know. There's no way to know it all anymore. No way but what schools are doing is throwing out what we considered sort of foundational education, arts and sciences. <laughs> Caller. go ahead, please.
0: Hi, Lynn. This uh, is Roger. How are you
1: doing? I'm doing fine, Roger. How are you?
0: Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> you left the email about the poet her niece being the poet, Yeah. Um, I, I think she makes a really good point. But it's hard to beat that drum, and I think you've alluded to this a lot in the past, without being insulting to other people. When you talk about the dumbing down of America, people don't know how to write, people don't read, people don't think for things of themselves, for themselves. Um, I know in my conservative thinking office, they take that like you're picking on them and you're insulting them.
1: Right. You're being elitist. And I don't know. What it's to it's like my story. I don't know what to do about it. No, I don't either. And it's a story I... Um, once, I think I was still at WTAE radio. Um, this would be in the 80s. And some woman called and just started screaming at me for showing off and I said what what do you I I don't know what you're talking about she said you're always using such big words you're just showing off and I I I was really I I was I, I was dumbstruck and I thought I I said I assure you I'm not showing off I'm using words that are in my vocabulary and I like to find the word that Is the right word to say what I want to say to, you know, lend some nuance, maybe some specificity, you know, all words. I, I, what's wrong with using words? That's all I'm trying to do. And she said, "Ah, "You're just showing off." And you know, so I, that woman listening to me felt I was somehow um, putting her down because sometimes she didn't understand a word that I used. Now, what would a normal reaction be to that? Find out. I mean, I hear people use words all the time that I don't know. I first try to figure them out in context, you know, in the context in which they were used. I, And then I thought later, well, maybe I shouldn't use bigger. Maybe I should watch out, because my goal is to communicate with people, but are we to be then left with only the words of the least educated in order to, we'll end up talking like bumper stickers. I mean, you know, just, I don't understand, I really don't know what to do myself, because if people are simply offended by somebody using words they don't know or enjoying art, uh that they don't appreciate, then um, I don't know what we're supposed to do.
0: I know that we it just seems like like if somebody wants to have a debate let's 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 say we're not arguing, we're just debating. I'm finding people debate using bumper sticker slogans, and it's like, well, no, there's more to that, but I think we saw this coming a long time ago, like when um I mean, just look at the. Trump Gore or the um, shit, the Bush Gore debates in 2000. I mean, nobody wanted to listen to intellectualism and any that the Gore he made it our situation worse because he was very he is very smart and he was making good sense, but he was putting people off and people like that good old George boy, you know. Um,
1: right. So they when, they like who they somebody they want to have a beer with, and that's why. We need, that's why Beto O'Rourke, I think, was so exciting to people, because he's clearly bright, but he's charismatic and he's not, doesn't come off like he's looking down at you. That's really important. Happen. Right? Yeah, but where does that lead us to eventually? Well, uh, you know, you just got to get people, uh, really smart people, capable people who don't come off as uh, hoity-toity, I guess. Sherrod Brown who's now I mean, getting all this uh talk about possibly running for president. Um because he's a rumpled regular guy who people in Ohio uh who you know never vote for Democrats apparently they love him and keep sending him to the Senate. Um so well, maybe really I don't know I it, it, it's it's we I'll tell you what we don't need. We don't need Elizabeth Warren and we don't need Probably anybody from the coast. I mean, it seems like a terrible thing to have to say. We need a heartland or, a, or a, just a regular, ordinary, brilliant person who is going to be able to take on that horror in the White House and uh, not fall to his level but still appear to be a person all of us can relate to. There, there's people out there like that. There are. Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I, I think you're right as far
0: as being Trump, but what concerns me is the bigger picture. Is as a society, uh, intellectually speaking, from us, it's like, are we just going to keep going down? Okay, yeah. we We got to be simple. We got to keep it simple and be. Yeah. And because we don't want to offend anybody. I mean, no, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. We. we I, I hear you. It's how we end up in I mean, our own little – l- we all end up self-segregating. John Kerry's wife? John Kerry's wife, yeah.
0: I, yeah, you remember when she went up at the convention she, or uh, she, she would speak in different languages? And I remember you saying, oh, no, she shouldn't have done that. You know, she was you know, well, you know, saying hello to everybody in all the different languages. And was like, oh, no, that was a mistake. And, and you were right, but it shouldn't be a mistake. So what, how do you fix that? I
2: don't know. I don't
0: know. Yeah, and and the the, the guy who called earlier about um, kids, he works with the, with the young kids, and they you know you can't look them in the eye and stuff like that. It just I'm finding in my industry that with the new workforce coming up, that they need constant um, stimulation, and I am in a very bo- boring applica- uh, occupation. Where we actually have to sit down, look at something, figure it out, figure it out, go back, and and it's we're finding our our, our occupation. Everybody's getting older. We have nobody to replace us when we're, we're retiring in you know five ten years. Um, and I think it's the constant stimulation that this group has been born with cell phones and smartphones and computers and the internet, whereas we weren't. And I'm not
1: sure is anybody concerned about that. <laughs> Is anybody concerned about it? Oh yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I mean it's there's a like, whole bunch of they're bored out of the tears. We yeah, listen, up. there's, po- there's pointy intel intellectuals at universities all over studying uh, these these people and wondering how, what, you know, what the future looks like. All right, I can't talk to you anymore. I have to go. I thank you. Have a good weekend. Bye. (laughs) Got to get this tweet in here. I mean, yeah, not email, whatever. God, I am just. Uh, Delana writes, uh, I'm also in northern Virginia, probably a few miles from Mike. My house is right by a metro station, so I'm going to see a 10% increase in my house price. Oh, you might be better than that. That is great, but I'll also be paying higher property taxes because of it, and it's only good if I sell and get the hell out of here. But the amount of traffic it's going to bring is going to be terrible. Yeah, huh Plus the poor immigrant neighborhoods a few miles from the Amazon location will be completely displaced. Uh-huh. And then she responds to Kathleen, the whose uh, niece is in Australia, uh Has Kathleen been to a public school recently? I think she would be surprised how much and what students learn. I work for school districts, and I think people just don't know what is happening in the classroom each day. Well, you know, it depends on what schools you're going to. I mean, poor urban schools, poor rural schools. I mean, if you want to, yeah, sure, go into a suburban school. There's all kinds of stuff going on, but we are not educating a whole bunch of our young people. We're just not doing it. And finally, Kurt says, So, how did you end up dating your paper boy? Um, okay, I'll tell it in a minute because uh, I have to get out of here on time. Uh, I had traveled to, I don't know where the hell I was. Maybe it was over six, seven time zones. And I had gotten back and I was um, still so jet lagged. So, I was waking up really early in the morning. And um, one morning, I went to see if the paper was there, and the paper boy was <laughs> was there <laughs> dropping it off. It was probably about 4.30 or something. And uh, I said, hi, how you doing? And um, I recognized his voice, I think. I'm trying to remember this right. And he said, well, I call your show. I said, you call my show? Yeah. Then he told me what caller he was. And it was one of my favorite callers. It was a real smart guy. And I'm thinking in my head, what the hell are you delivering? What are you? I was so. <sighs> um. Anyway, so uh, we, uh, yeah, I can't remember wh- one thing led to another. And, uh, yeah, we dated a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I think he had an odd story. He was, uh, from a very wealthy family. And I don't think he had to work as most people had to work, but he liked to work. So he owned some buildings and he would, you know, work on them. And then he liked getting up in the morning and putting his dog in the car with him and being a paper boy. I mean, he was a middle-aged person. (laughs) And I remember screaming at him, saying, you know, you're taking a job away from a paper boy. You've got the skills to do something else. You shouldn't be doing that. And since I've thought, you know, that wasn't fair. I mean, people do what they're going to do. But anyway, it didn't last very long because there were those kinds of, uh, I don't know, difficulties. At any rate, yeah, and he's no fan of mine anymore. He does not listen to the show. I do not believe he did not take uh, kindly to me saying I thought I didn't want to date the paper boy anymore. Whatever. So that's the story in a nutshell. And now I have to go, because uh, mostly because time's up and uh, Amy's got to get to her other job. Like so many Americans, she's juggling a few. Okay? Have a great weekend. Bye.
0: Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from ten AM to eleven AM and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.